I love the church. I love it. Uh, and, and, and for some of you, you just say, well, I love my church. Well, thank God you should. And I love my church and I should because it's, it's a matter of God did this amazing thing of establishing local churches around the country for, for, for a reason, for a purpose. And people that try to survive without it and say, oh, I don't need that, man, you're missing out. Church wasn't something that we created and said, man, I got an idea. Why don't we get, gather people together? And man, it's for the edifying of the saints. It's for the fellowship and accountability and, and, and the loving of one another. And man, as we started the year, I said, I want to preach on the importance, the values, the core values of church. I, I want us to be reminded of why this is so important. And, and, and there's a lot of churches but I know that our church is different and we're unique. And that's not looking at every other church saying, man, they're all wrong because they don't do it the way that we do. But there's some certain characteristics about us that we're, we're proud of. I want to be known where people have mentioned fellowship and they say, oh, that's the church that boldly proclaims the word of God. I want to be known for that. And I want you guys to know the reason why we have these core values and why they're so important and vital to us. So let me review and recap just a little bit. And I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Chris or some of those guys to, to, to help us balance out the heat. We came in this morning, and it was um, cold in here. And then during Sunday school, I thought it was a little cold. Now I'm thinking it's almost a little... Is anybody in here a little warm? Is anybody cold? Okay, well, we're, we're perfect then. Okay. <laughs> when you get hands up on both, then you're right in the middle. You're good. Number one, here, let me recap, do the three we did last week. We boldly hold the word of God above traditions, culture, and opinions. Because I tell you, those are everywhere around us. And we sit there and say, ah, I'll tell you why we do that or we don't do that. I'll tell you why we're going to keep preaching. Because the Bible trumps all of that. We hold it above. We teach teach and preach the Bible boldly. there's going to come times, guys, that it's not going to be popular and people are going to say, well, he's not going to want to mention that from the pulpit if it's wrong or right or whatever. The Bible says the instant in season and out of season. That that means you got to preach it when it's popular and preach it when it's not. We we, we talked about also that we preach truth. It, It is the way, the truth, and the life that Jesus said. And we preach truth with love, speaking the truth with love. And it's so important if you're going to teach class, if you're going to outreach, if you're going to be involved in things, we preach the truth in love. Number two, not only do we hold the Bible above culture, traditions, and opinions, but number two, we share the gospel in every way we can with everyone we can. We are evangelistic. I hope people look at us and say, oh man, they're evangelistic. We go out of our way to give the gospel in any way and every way that we can. I don't care if it's in line at Subway. I don't care if it's in the lobby of the church. It doesn't matter if it's an invitation at the end of the service. Connecting point, worldwide uh, uh, evangelism through missions, mission trips, all those things. Here in Columbus, here in America, and around the world was the Great Commission. With this, we must be aggressive. We must be aggressive. We cannot sit there and go, oh, it's not a big deal. No, it's a big deal. Souls are in the balance. And we must be creative. The Bible does not change, but methods do. Man, we've done some crazy things through the years. Uh, how many of you guys were there when we went out and we rented out a laundry mat? 
We rented out a laundromat, and in the laundromat, we, we, we paid for everybody's thing, and we had the whole opportunity the entire time where we were doing their laundry for free to walk around and witness to everybody in there. We had a captive audience that was listening to every word we say because they had nowhere to go. I mean, not, man, that sounds bad. Like, <laughs> we had guns at the door, you know. Just. We must be creative. Number three, we are a growing family. That makes every person feel loved and at home. We strive to be a growing church. The Bible says, and they were saved. The Lord added to the church daily such as been saved. If you say, I don't want a growing church, then you may as well say, I don't want to see people saved. Because if people are being saved, you're going to have a growing church. And some people say, I hate that it's getting big or I hate that there's more people. Man, heaven's rejoicing. Hey, look at those people that were going to hell and now they're in church. That is disciple making. We add two so that they can add two so that they can add two. And guess what's going to happen with that? More people are going to be there. We strive to be a loving family. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. We're not always going to get along. I I promise you, you're not always going to get along. You're going to hear things and say things and stuff that are going to step on people's toes or offend things. You know what we do when we upset somebody? We get it right. And sometimes we have attitude. I'm not talking to them ever again. I'll tell you, Satan loves that. But that's not biblical. We get it right because we're a family. We talked about families don't get along, always get along. But I tell you, families also change. My family is not the same as it was 16 years ago when I came. I, I had one little boy in an apartment, and now I have three kids, and life is different. My, my, my schedule is different. The way we get up, the way our routines are, everything's different. I'll tell you, in life, life will change. And sometimes we're saying, man, I wish it was the way that it was. For me, it's not going to be the way that it was 16 years ago in my family. Let me tell you, as a church, it's not going to be that it was the same way as it was 16 years ago as a church. Because things change and roles change. And I'll tell you, it's, it's sad to see people pass on. It's, it's sad to see changes in life. But it's important that we stick together. But we, ought, we ended with, we strive to make others feel loved and accepted. I tell you, a church that does not care for other people and care for outside guests will die. And we have to understand that God has brought us together to love and care for one another. And this is vital. So you guys ready for number four? We're going to hit number four and five today. And I hope if you are a guest with us today, man, thank God that you're here. Or maybe it's one of those things that you, you've been coming for years. These are biblical principles that God has called us to practice. This is not an expository study. I love doing those and going book and verse by verse. But this is teaching through the biblical principles because I think they're important for us to understand. Because the world is filled with confusion. Man, I spoke Wednesday night, and if, if you don't have a place on Wednesday night, we're doing a doctrinal study on subjects like angels and demons and the Word of God and things like that. Come on, join us, and, and you'll learn something about some of these things because the world is filled with confusion. It's like, why is there so many denominations, and why is there so many teaching and so many cults and things? So it's important that we understand where we stand. So here's number four. We believe... Everything God gave us to do is worth doing with passion and excellence. We believe that everything that God gave us to do, we're going to do with passion and excellence. Let me remind you guys that what you're sitting in and where you're at today is God's work. 
And I tell you, I love Pastor Denoff, I love Mrs. Denoff, but they would say the same thing. They would step back and say, hey, this is God's work. Every one of us have to acknowledge that Jesus said, turning your Bibles to Matthew 16, 18, we're going to read this verse. And we're going to run with this and then we'll pray. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. I'm going to show you why this is so important. And why some people say, oh, church, uh, I, I, it's not a big deal. Or I didn't grow up in church, so I don't see the importance of my kids ever going to church. And things like, man, that's, that's dangerous mindset. Matthew 16, 18, and Jesus is teaching. And this is a popular verse about the church. And, he's, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. You say, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. God's, God's putting his hands on something, going to build something up. And then he says, oh, here's the thing. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's pray. Father, as we dive into this study today, Lord, help us to understand that what we do, why we gather, why we preach and teach, and the things that we do as a church, scares the devil. And it shakes up hell. And it makes the demons tremble like we just sang about. Lord, we have to understand, Lord, that you established the local church for a purpose. And Lord, help us as believers to understand if you gave us to do and you're building the church and we're part of it, we're going to do it with passion and excellence. Lord, help us to dive into this today and make application to not only us as a church, but us as individuals. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now, the church is important. You say, what what is this? Well, it's a called out body of believers. We we have gathered in this room. We've gathered in this place. We've come here together for a reason. See, when you are part of the church, you are part, according to this verse, of God doing something. He said, I'm going to establish the church, which is a called out body of believers. When God gathers people together, God is doing that to do something. And God took it to the the thing and he said, I'm going to not only build something, I'm going to build something strong. I'm going to build it to where the gates of hell will never prevail against it. I'm going to build something that has power. He said, I'm going to do it. But the the way that he does it, he does it through his people. And you're sitting there saying, man, who am I? You're a child of God is who you are. And you're part, according to the scripture of this church, you're part of the body of Christ. Which means that the hand and the other hand, they work together and both knees and both legs and and all of this comes together to form something that scares Satan to death. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. All of this comes together and God said, when you do all this, we're going to do it with passion. We're going to do it with excellence. Let me say it's a blessing. Let me just say personally for me. It's an honor and a privilege to do what I do up here at this church. It is. I hope we never get to the point where we think that we have arrived. Man, I get to be part of building the kingdom of heaven. I get to be part of leading people to the Savior. I get, as as part of the church, I get to be part, and, and Pastor Michael said with these teens, he gets to be part of leading them to a greater devotion, a greater fellowship with our God. That is a big deal. And I tell you, when the world takes more passion with a football game or, or standing on a stage and rapping or, or doing the things that they do to make money and we sit there and be passive with the things of God, something's wrong with our hearts. Amen. It's an honor. 
So let's break these, this, this phrase down. We serve with passion. Do you realize what Christ did for us? There's a, there was a movie, an incredible movie that was, came out a number of years ago, 10 plus years ago. It was called The Passion of the Christ. Do you guys know why it's referenced as the passion play or the passion of the Christ? And we look at a cross and we see the passion because Christ gave his best and Christ gave his all. He went out of his way to come to us. He did what he did with great desire. Jesus lived his life with passion. The cross is a symbol of the passion of Christ. I'm here to tell you, we need to follow in the example of Christ. I know I'm kind of all over with verses because it's the only way that I knew how to do that, to to teach these values. In Titus 2.14, it says, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Peculiar means different. It means odd. It means they stand out. How many of you are odd this morning? Raise your hand. (laughs) Some of you should have raised your hand. I know you. Okay. Should have had both hands raised. Okay. Christians are like different. The, The Bible says that we're in a world of darkness and Christians are the light. We stand out. We live for a different purpose. We're called to a different mission. I, I, I serve in a church and I love the church and I give to the church and the world just sits there and goes, why? That's weird. And I said, no, this is everything. This is life and joy. Serving God is the coolest thing in the world. The world doesn't get it. But he didn't just say he made himself a peculiar people. He said those people are going to be zealous of good works. Now, a lot of you guys serve in this church. Bus ministry, greeters in the back, ushers down front, praise team, choir, nursery, cleaning, junior church, Broad Street Mission, uh, cleaning and uh, cooking in the kitchen and all those different things. We're all over the place. You know what all those things are is they're good works because we're doing them for God. But let me tell you how God said we're to do those good works. Are you guys ready for this? He said zealous. Zealous. When me and the other pastors were talking about this, I said, you know why this is heavy on my heart? I, I, I take you to Revelation 3.19. You don't have to turn there, but let, let me remind you why this is so important. Jesus is addressing the church in the latter days. And he goes through the church ages and he gets to the one that represents us. And he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And he says, be zealous and Repent. Can I put it like this? And I know you heard this last year when I got on this. The only reason why somebody says to repent for something is when they're doing something wrong. He looked at the church and he said, you know, that going through the motions and, oh, here we go again and another day. And, oh, you got your lesson done. I'll, I'll work on out in the morning. It's not a big deal. I'll, I'll just skim it over as we drive the church. And, man, what about that program you're doing? Oh, here we go again. I'm, man, I'm so tired of doing that stuff. And, blah, blah, blah. You know what God says? Repent. Stop it. How dare there be an attitude of apathy with the things of God. Thank God God didn't walk across to the cross and go, I don't want to do that. And I have to walk all the way up there. And you're going to nail me to the cross. And oh, man, can you imagine the attitude of our God? But he didn't do that. He said the joy that was set before him and he endured the cross. 
There's something happens in the life of a Christian that when you fall in love with God and when you love God, there's a zealousness that ought to follow, a passion to want to do it. When we're not just singing, we're praising God. And I tell you, we were singing words of the great I am. We don't mumble those words. We praise God through those words. We don't come into the choir, stand on the stage, or even greet at the door with the attitude that it's no big deal. It's a big deal because we do it for God. Sometimes we can be so passive. We can be mumbling through the things. And he said, I, I, I want you to understand you either be zealous, therefore, and you need to repent from your wickedness of getting lukewarm. Let me ask you, church. You might be busy, but are you zealous? Are you passionate? Are you stirred up? Are you in love with the things of God? We must keep our passion because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9.10, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all your might. He, he, he didn't say if you're going to run a route or teach a class or lead a group, oh, no big deal. He said, no, do it with all your might. Put your back into it. Put your heart into it. And that's what Christ did for us. At the end of Ecclesiastes 9.10, he says, He said, whatever thy hand findeth to do, do with all thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave. You know what God was saying by that? Give it all you got while you have life. Because there's coming a time where God takes you home and is like, Lord, I want to serve you. And he said, son, you had your chance for that. It's over. You can't do that in the grave. You gave your life to your, your job in sports and chasing this and chasing that. But when it came to the things of God, you were passive. You shrubbed it off. You got through it. I'm here, aren't I? That attitude stinks. See, our passion is motivated by our love. If you love something, it changes everything. There's a reason at our church that we have this process that we try to pull everybody through. And we're going to get more into this. That the first thing that we want you to do is to love God, love others, and serve both. But I'll tell you, serving both is never going to happen. Loving others, it ain't going to happen until you first love God. Because the thing is, God is love. And when you fall in love with God and you have a relationship with God and when you're growing in God, you're going to love others and you're going to want to serve God. But when you're lacking in the love, you're going to be lacking in loving others and lacking in serving both. And the core of this is God did what he did with passion. You know why? For God so loved the world, his motive was love for us. Maybe some of you are sitting there saying, man, I've lost my passion. Man, I used to get excited and zealous. And man, the church would talk about greater things or changing this or moving forward. And now I'm like, man, I hope they don't call on me. You say, what happened? I'll tell you the thing that you need to do is you need to check your relationship with God. It's not a matter of twisting your arm to sign up for something else. No, it needs to be on your knees. It needs to be in your Bible. It needs to be with your God. Because once you fall in love with God... It's like those guys that fall in love with a game and here we are in the middle of the playoffs and all these guys are amping up for these games. Watch, watch, watch what these guys do. They want it. They love the game. 
And they're like, man, I got to get over that line. You know, all these defensive guys will come at them. They'll throw their bodies up over those guys, get clobbered in the air, land on their backs, jump up doing this. You say, why do they do that? They love it. They love it. What do you love? Because your actions are going to demonstrate what you love. And I'll tell you, when you love God, you're going to be passionate about doing his work. Passionate about it. But our passion should also display our joy. Because the Bible says this fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. And all of a sudden, it's not about being fake and it's not a matter of coming through the door. I'm happy and I'm here and, you know, put it on. And then you're exhausted afterwards. I think Pastor Dave preached on that last Sunday night. Trying to put up the facade that everything's okay. No, I'm gonna try, don't pretend. We're going to have good days and bad days. I'm not saying about walking around all the time like robots, you know, like, like everything's okay. But I'll tell you, Nehemiah 8.10, explain to us, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Can you imagine if we did what we did with no passion or joy? Can you imagine on Sunday morning if I came out, you know, I was going to preach the word of God and share it, and I came out like, hey, he was like... Whatever, turning your Bible, I don't care, somewhere. And, you know, he'd be like, wow, what's wrong with him? It's like, I'm going I'm to stand up here and give you the greatest message you've ever heard or the, the, great, the word of God. And all of a sudden, we have our attitudes that stink. There's no joy, there's no love, there's no passion behind it. We should be done with passion. We should, we should strive for excellence. The second part of, of that phrase, and we take it out of 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore you eat or you drink or whatsoever you do, you do all to the glory of God. Let me tell you, everything that we do, we do well because we do it for Him. Church, do you agree with that? Amen. Because I, I'm, I'm going to hit this and help you understand that how important and vital this is. What we do with passion, but we do it right. Excellent. Definition is this. It's a talent or quality which is unusually good and surpasses ordinary standards. We do what we do for the glory of God. We do what we do with the power of God and it should be done right. It should display excellence. If we are going to do an Easter drama, we're going to do it right. If we're going to have a choir, we're going to do it right. Vacation Bible school and winter's retreat and Awana, worship team, greeters, young at heart and bus and these things... We sign up, we commit, we practice, we prepare. We hold training classes like Pastor Dave's about to do with our children's ministry. We organize, we show up on time. Got quiet in here. We show up on time. We execute the plan with passion. We love people, we follow up, we do it for God. We do it with passion, we do it with excellence. We do our best and we give all the glory to God. Let me give you a perfect illustration example of this. And I'll tell you, the Lord pricked my heart. And I'm thinking of this and I'm thinking, man, I know a lot of our ministers. Guys, I'm not saying that we're perfect. Man, if you find a church full of perfect people, there's probably going to be something wrong there. I promise you. There's no such thing as perfect. But I'll, I'll give you an example of something that I love seeing in our church that is done with excellence. If you walk into the Young at Heart program at our church, it's done with excellence. Those people show up early and plan for, uh, Letha and, and Becky and all of them plan for a month, hand-making, organizing centerpieces and 
placemats and all, all the things. The ladies shop beforehand, cook the meals, organize the stuff, have everything laid out. Why? Because we're going to give the gospel out that we want it done right. I, I think of how Pastor Dave and his team pulls together Vacation Bible School. You come in here and there's an AT-18 and an X-Wing on the stage. And all they, he said, what's the big deal? We're doing it for the glory of God. And we're going to do it right. I, you, you need to understand, even with um, our Greater Things Project, our, our heart is to do this for the specific reason that some of these areas are lacking. God deserves better than what we have because of the fact is they've got to connect the people. Some of the bigger issues that we're facing right now is the protection of kids. Guys, it's sad, the world that we live in. It's not the same world. Even when I was a youth pastor here years ago, it's not the same world. We, we didn't have all the crazy shootings and, and kids being kidnapped and uh, human trafficking and all these other things. Columbus is the fourth highest rated city in America for human trafficking because of the interstates that go through our city. He said, why is that important? We have to do our best and with excellence. If we're going to bring kids in here, we're going to do it right. And I tell you, this, this has been a pain because every step of this is going back to the drawing boards and getting things approved and the plans and all this. And thank God we're, we're, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and everybody that's in this with me knows what I'm talking about. It's like, no, not one more meeting, not one more approval, but that's life. But I tell you, it's worth it because we're going to do it right. We're going to do it right. We must understand, but with doing things with excellence, we also do things with relevance. Safety in church today is a must. Check-in is a must. Locking doors and safe bathrooms for children is a must. I'll tell you why this is so important. Because Jesus did things with excellence. And Jesus did things with relevance. I, I am blown away when you study the life of Christ that he was Messiah, but he rode in on a donkey. He was the greatest preacher of all time, but he had them push him off in a fisherman's boat to preach the gospel. And sometimes we have the idea that excellence for some people is doing things above the connection and reality of people. And I've seen that in religion across the world where they build up these great monasteries and these great theaters and these great museums, if you would, that they're not reaching people, but people are impressed with their stuff because they no longer are relevant to the needs of people. Jesus was extremely relevant and applicable of applying excellence to the reality of the world that he lived in. It's like spending millions of dollars on stained glass windows for excellence instead of investing in people. And people have said, why don't we have stained glass windows? Man, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I say, no, I'd rather use that for investing in people rather than something that's be pretty on the wall. There's got to be a balance to that. We live in a world that people desire, want things done right, but we want to do it in such a way where we're connecting the people. And the same reason that when we took out wooden pews in 2017 and put in something padded, because in 2017, people want to sit on something padded. Actually, probably 40 years ago, they wanted to sit on something. And me and Mrs. Denoff have had those talk conversations, and she said to me, she said, we have to remember something. People that are coming in from the world are coming in from a, a car that has heated padded seats and a house that has cushion and extra foam and then they come in the church and they sit on wood it's like we're, we think that sometimes we have to do something out of date in order for it to be excellent we do what we do for the glory of God and we do it in such a way that it relates 
to people. I love how Paul put this, who is one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived. And in 1 Corinthians 9.16, he says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. And it's like, well, amen to that. And he said, well, let me tell you how I did it. He says in verse 19, For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself a servant unto I, unto all, that I might gain them the more. And unto the Jew I became the Jew, that I may gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. Verse 22, To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker thereof with you. It does not say, let me put in there, to the drunk I became the drunk, you know. To the addict I became the addict. And some people say to have that mindset of that. Sin is never part of the equation when it comes to reaching people. We don't step into sin ourselves for the sake of relating to those that are in sin. Never. But this is saying that Paul related to various cultures of his day. To the Jew, he related to the Jews. To the Greek, to the weak. Paul, if he was going to preach this today, he would say this. For the millennials, I use Facebook to promote an event. I use digital check-in for the younger parents. I use security measures when parents dropped off their kids. It has to be done well, and it has to connect to the culture. Jesus did this, and we should follow. Things should be done well, and they also should be relevant, because everything we do, we do with passion and excellence. Let me give you number five. I love this one. We have no big shots. It's never about us. It's all about God. There are certain things that I will remember for the rest of my life. Certain things and certain people that have made an impact on my life that I'll remember for the rest of my life. Pastor Denoff is one of them. You talk about a guy that built a church out of the ground with the idea of giving all the glory to God and doing whatever it took behind the scenes to give glory to God. And every time it would come and we would have the special services and we would gather Pastor and Mrs. Dana up, up here on the stage and we did that many different times and we'd show a video going through history of what they have done and what they have accomplished and the buildings they've made and the people they've reached and the life-changing and all the servanthood that they have done through the years. Do you know what they would follow up with is this. Mrs. Denoff especially, she, she would say this. She says, I appreciate the love and everything that you're doing to show us love today. But she would follow up and say, but all the glory belongs to God. If we ever get to the place in our lives where we start elevating ourselves as servants of God on a pedestal because of our position or our longevity of being saved or our longevity of being in a church, then we have now raised ourselves up above Jesus Christ. You see, there's certain things that God has taught us through Scripture. And I'm not saying that we don't respect each other. I'm not saying that we don't respect positions or respect authority or respect faithfulness. The Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. But in giving honor, we give the glory to God. Because in all that we do, we are servants and ambassadors of God, not our selves 
We should honor and be thankful for each other. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took on him the form of a what? Servant. And he was made in the likeness of men, and being found in the fashion of his man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, let me explain how we do this. We follow Christ's example of humility. All of us. I tell you, I, I, I love you guys, and I'm not even saying that this is a problem in our church, but I tell you, I want to follow the example of Christ when we look back and see Pastor and Mrs. Denhoff following, and I tell you, I want our generation also to follow that as well. That we get the job done, and we give the glory to God and not ourselves. If I get to be this much part of, of bringing God glory, then praise God. It's not about the elevation. I, re, I remember doing a play, and this was, man, 12, 14 years ago. And we were laying out the stage for the heaven scene and the angels. And one year, I guess, we had an angel that was up there. And then the next year, we needed her to stand down here. And when I told her she had to stand down here instead of up there, she says, I'm a better angel than that. And how dare I'm going to be at the bottom of the steps when I used to be at the top of the steps. And she quit. I thought, well, that's kind of not the kind of angel we need in a play anyways. But uh, there, there's something about how sometimes in our mind, even though that we know we're to live in humility, we almost have this right about us, the, what I've been doing. And I tell you, that, that, that can be an attitude with pastors. And if any of you ever see me get to that, I don't want to be a big shot. I remember growing up, my pastor, he used to come to the pulpit all the time. And, and he was from Alabama, so you got to understand, this resonated with all of us rednecks. He said, there's no big shots around here. We're all about my size, which is about a BB or 22 gauge. And it was just his way of telling the church that there was no big shots. But I think there's something when we sit there, Jesus was a servant. He lowered himself as a servant. He loved on everybody. And I'm telling you, everybody... Guys, when a prostitute can run up to the, to the feet of Jesus and Jesus stands everybody off and says, hey, she honors me. There's something to be noticed about that. When a leper comes out and cries out to Jesus and Jesus stops to go back to that leper and heal them, there's something to be said about that. When you see the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery and they throw her at Jesus' feet and Jesus turns around and stoops down and, and calls her daughter, there's something to be said about that. And how dare is we as Christians and say, hey, I'm a deacon or I'm a, da, 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 or I'm a Sunday school teacher or I'm an assistant pastor or I'm this and think we have arrived. Man, we just elevated ourselves up above Jesus. And I'm not going to say that Guys, there's certain times that I can't, you know, you guys look around in the crowd. There's a lot of people here. And if I didn't say hi to you today, it's not because I don't love you or care for you. It's just because I'm a human being and that's impossible. And so it's, it's important for us to understand, though, we're not to elevate ourselves. Jesus had this attitude in this life of humility of his very final act of exiting this world before he prayed to his father was washing the feet of those he served with. So yes, I hope if you have been in the church for 30, 40 years, you're willing to open up the door for somebody that's only been here two weeks. And I hope you never get to the point where you're too good to change diapers or clean a toilet. 
And I'm not saying that everybody should do those things because your talents and abilities should be moved around to where everybody's doing what God's gifted them to do. But I tell you, our attitude and our heart should be a heart of humility. We follow the example of Christ, but let me show you this, and we'll be done. We strive to exalt Christ in all that we do. And let me tell you, those two things go together. When, when you are living a life of humility, you lower yourself, all they can see is Jesus. Because Jesus said, if I am high and lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. But I tell you, if you lift yourself up and they see you, you're going to fail. You said, no, I'm not. Yeah, you're a human being. You're going to fail. We all do. That's why we tell them to follow Jesus and not follow us. And that's why we humble ourselves. And he said, the Bible tells us that he must increase and we must decrease. See, we hide ourselves behind the cross because we might be the ones to hold up the cross or the message of the cross. But at the end of the day, I want them walking out remembering Jesus and not me. Maybe the love of Christ that is in me, but I don't want them saying, man, Tony's a great God, but a guy, but I want them to know that he, he serves a great God. And there's a difference there. Forever, guys, the things that you do to show humility and then lift up Jesus Christ goes for a long, long way. It was 20 years ago that I was in Bible college. Me and Jenny got married May 10th. By the following weekend, we were already moved down there. So we had the entire summer to be at Bible college and at the church and things like that to get acclimated before we started school. And we showed up on this campus, and the church ran between three and 4,000 people. And it was a big church, a big campus, and I mean, it was a huge complex. And we drove in, and we were like, oh, my goodness. We were just like, where? I don't know where to go. And we showed up for Sunday school. There was, there was like literally like 100 and some Sunday school classes. And I said, babe, maybe this was a mistake. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And this guy came up to us, and he said, hey, do you need help? Do you guys know where to go? And we're like, we have no clue. He said, man, go with me. You guys knew we're starting college. And man, that's awesome. I'm so excited for you guys. You're going to do great. Walked us in there, interrupted class, said, hey, we got a couple of new people. Why don't you guys make them feel welcome and all this other stuff? And, and, and on the way back out, they were like, thank you, pastor. I was like, that was the pastor? He wasn't a big shot. But on the receiving end of that, it meant everything. And I tell you, when we learn to humble ourselves and to say that all I do, and if I get to pick a string or open a door or clean a toilet, I'm going to do it for the glory of God. Amen. And if we all had that attitude and we do everything that we do in here, I'll tell you what, according to the Bible and the promises that he said, he's going to be high and lifted up, exalted above our failures. Because I tell you what, if they come in here, they're going to see our failures and our mistakes and the fact that we didn't do something right in paint colors or opening the door or having something clean or whatever. But when we're, when we're exalting our Savior, the God of perfection, they see Him and not us. These things matter. And they make a difference. And I say this a lot. I, I know the time is short in this world. I know and I know that if God has given us time, I want to do everything that we do to glorify God, connect with people, bring people in the church, make disciples that will make disciples and walk out of here making a difference when God calls us home. 